Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Welcome to Conspiranormal. This is your host for tonight, Seraphiel, and I am hosting this because we have a very special guest who you, some of you all may be familiar with. In fact, he's the host of the show, Mr. Adam Sane. We're going to turn things around tonight, and um, this is going to be the first part in a, a series where we interview each other and step out into the limelight. So, welcome to the show, Adam Sane. Welcome hey, to your thanks for welcome having to me, your show. <laughs> thanks for having me on my show, Sir Fields. I appreciate that. Uh, people might have thought there just for a second that I quit or that uh, you were you were flying solo tonight. Yeah, no, but, but no, I am here. Yes, you are. And uh, and like you said, we're doing something new. You had this idea, and of course, I'll pull a fast one on you and and ask you a question, which wow. is, why are we doing this? Because you you had this idea that that this is something that we should do. We occasionally do these shows that we just host and, and we'll tackle topics like on our Paranoid Styles series, which we haven't done one in a real long time when you get around to doing again. Right. Um, but, um, you know, as like long format interview, I really feel like people need to uh, get to know us better, especially you have so much of a history with this show. And I think you have... Uh, interesting perspectives that maybe a lot of people don't get to hear people who don't spend time with you personally or um don't get to have those conversations with you uh, you've been doing this mm -hmm. for over uh, almost 12 years now is that right yeah well the podcast has been going on for 11 11 years yeah much like since i've been on the show you've changed a lot your initial um curiosity has really you know led you down a long path of learning, having access to these, all these different people. But I wanted to, you know, really get you out there and showcase some of your thoughts because we don't get to do that as much. Yeah, no, we don't. Yeah. Being a guest driven show, like we are, you'll hear occasional things here and there of where you, either you or I will pipe in, but most of the time we're not giving like our opinions as much. I feel like, um, there was a certain time, a way, way I used to do this show um, right. a long time ago. And this was even, 
even before like you joined in, like we would have like a segment where we started um, talking about certain things right. and whether that was like politics or, or whatever it was, it's something that we would talk about in the beginning. And then we go into the guest and kind of eventually felt like just going straight into the guest was a little bit more succinct. And we started going more that format. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't really had the chance where we've been able to talk about our own type of things. unless we, unless we do like an outro, or something right. like that, which we've done, and we've we've definitely done plenty of that. But uh, our own voices on this show, I guess, oddly enough, somehow have not been heard as well. Like, well at least and, we feel that, I suppose. And admittedly, like me and you are not the type of people who are focused on being personalities. You know, this is really about our interests and people we, we want to talk to and ideas that we want to help explore. Right. So, you know, I think in Conspiro Normal is very uh, entertaining and engaging based on that, but, you know, we're not really uh, ever trying to be showmen or performers in a lot of ways that might uh, grab other people and, and uh, you know, make them invested in, in personalities the way that they would be on in more personality driven shows. Yep. But I do think you're very interesting. Your story is very interesting. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know it, this is going to be a good opportunity for them to get into the mind of of Adam Sane. If you're lucky enough to, this is your first time listening to Conspiracy Normal, well, I guess you'll find out about myself and later on about Surfiel, So Yeah, absolutely. And I guess to start, just can you tell everyone when you were born, where you grew up, just real basic info? Uh, well, I mean, we, we, I guess we're going for like the exact birthday. Um, oh, well, you don't want to do that. I think there's too many, uh, astrological magicians out there. Uh, well, I was born in 1976 in the bicentennial year. In the 70s. Uh, so, yep. So I'm one of the, uh, bicentennial babies. Oh, that's cool. I don't, uh, I don't remember the seventies. Uh, first president I remember was Ronald Reagan. I uh, was grew up, born and grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was there until I was about, except for like a brief time for a few months. And when I first went to college, I was there till I lived there till I was about 23 years old, moved to Atlanta uh, for about three years. And I met my now ex-wife and moved to Nashville and I've been in Nashville now for uh 20 years. Wow. 20 years last month that I lived that I've lived in Nashville. And that's long enough to have seen a lot of change in Nashville. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I think you were probably here longer than me, but um I yeah, definitely. I mean the downtown area is completely, completely different. And just the feel of the city is completely different than when I, when I moved here. Yeah. It was kind of like a medium sized city. Then I always felt Chattanooga was really small, uh, which it's now more of a medium sized city, oddly enough. And, um, thought Atlanta was just like too damn big and unlivable. And Nashville just kind of was a perfect fit. And now Nashville's like Atlanta. So, right. (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll we'll get into some of that probably later. Basic information 
Yeah, know, yeah. Basic, basic bio backstory of Adam Sane. What were your earliest influences uh, for developing an interest in the the paranormal or mysteries, whatever you want to call them? And uh, at what age was that? Uh, well, people have probably heard my um experience that i had when i was seven years old i don't know do you want me to tell that again like you've heard it a billion times at this point yeah, yeah you can give a real quick version of it. uh basically you know when i was seven i saw like an apparition when i was 14 i had that confirmed by my aunt who said she saw something in the same house right uh i think that that kind of spurred it on a little bit yeah um, i should when i when I was a little older than that, probably around about 10 or 11, you know, like unsolved mysteries was a big thing. Mm -hmm. So this would have been like 87, 88, somewhere around there. Yeah. And, you know, it's like home from school and you get creepy home music comes like, on. Creepy music comes on and you're, you're looking under, uh, under the bed and, you know, you're trying to like, you know, close all the doors and, and watch Unsolved Mysteries and like, you know, scares the shit out of me. Um, you know, there were the, there was that type of thing that was on like all about the UFOs and about the alien abductions, about ghosts and all that stuff. And I just I like, you know, like ate all that up at that yeah. age. And I can remember uh, there were reruns. I think it was Discovery Channel whenever that started. Um there were reruns on TV of like in search of. Yeah. But the big one for me was like Arthur C. Clarke's mysterious universe. You ever watched that? Yeah. I've seen some episodes. Some, some uh, that was a big one actually. And I remember just really liking that and really like, you know, it, it, it covered everything. It was just like in search of, right. Right. You know, psychic stuff, ghosts, UFOs, all that stuff. And like, I remember just being, really really into that and then you know the school library in middle school and high school had all kinds of you know the weird book section so you found there's like one book about ghosts that i would like check out all the time um you know stuff about ufos it, just, it was just always like an interest and when i was in high school there was a book uh called mysteries of the unexplained i believe it's actually right in front of me oh it's just called unexplained but jerome clark's um, yeah. book and i still have it and actually still use it as a resource um was just you guys some of you guys know i do a youtube channel uh that's called nevaeh's nightmare where i write some of those chant those and actually just used it just the other day um but that's a book that like just like ate up, you know, so much so that the cover is gone on it. And but it's it was basically about cryptids, uh, mysterious phenomenon. First place I'd heard of stuff like the Mothman, uh, the Hopkinsville Goblins, you know, the Men in Black. Uh, we pretty much had it all. That's something I was interested in. And oh, and like Bigfoot, and not where I first heard of Bigfoot, but where I got like kind of a more appreciation for some of the odder things about bigfoot so that was a huge like book for me and uh the paranormal uh was always kind of like in the background for me yeah um you know just as like a general interest 
when I was a little older, post-college, there was a book, uh, The Mammoth Book of the Unexplained, which was actually written and edited by Colin Wilson. Uh, that was another one that I just like ate up and devoured. And that's another one I still use as like a resource now to write some of the scripts and, um, you know, through some of that, it's like, what's interesting is like gotten to talk to over the course of doing this for 10, 11 years now, I've got, I've gotten to talk to people that were on unsolved mysteries back in the day. So like some of it's like kind of cool that it's come full circle. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. Was your family environment open to, to your interest in, in these like paranormal topics? I've, I've met both your parents and they don't, uh, they, they're very educated and, and not yeah. fundamentalist. So it seems like it was a okay environment for your interest. Yeah. I had a, I had a, well, I had a weird, I mean, I had a weird upbringing as far as like faith. Um, you know, my mom was a Christian, is a Christian, uh, grew up Greek Orthodox, but for whatever reason left that I was actually raised Episcopalian. Uh, but that never took, uh, my dad on the other hand for a long time, even though he's a, he's a Methodist now, but like he was an atheist for a long, long time. Um, and there was a lot of the stuff that like, like I think my mom was a little more accepting of it. If she, knew that I was interested in some of this stuff. Um, I think my dad knew. So like I'm mentioning watching, watching Arthur C. Clarke, um, that show. And I remember my dad just kind of like laughing at it. Like he didn't take a lot of this stuff kind of seriously. Right. He had a more skeptical attitude. Sounds like yeah, more, much more skeptical attitude on, on this stuff. Um, and I, and I just like really ate it up. Yeah. I don't know if there was like that sense of rebellion or whether or not, it was just like that's just how it was. Like he was against it, so I was for it. You know how, yeah, the yeah. parent-child dynamic can be. But there was but, no uh, like forbidding of these subjects. No, no, not at all, not at all. And I was interested in so many other things. I mean, you know, I, we're gonna. I guess we're gonna talk about conspiracy stuff. But I was interested in you know music. Um, you know, I was history, of course. So I was interested in all type of things. I just like the paranormal stuff was just only one thing that I was interested in. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how it, it fits into your other interests. And uh, I think that's yeah. what gives some of your unique perspectives on this stuff. Um, how did your journey and your, your interest in these uh, topics evolve over time until right around the time before you started Conspiranormal? Okay. So, you know, I was interested in the paranormal. And I became interested in also in things like JFK. Yeah. Um, which fit in with, which that fit in with the history aspect of it. Right. Um, those were things that I saw as just kind of just like another part of history or a part of history that was not as explained. Um, UFOs can fit in with that too. Um, Historical mysteries. Yeah, historical mysteries, that that type of thing, or like missing people, what happened to Amelia Earhart, stuff like you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And so I was into all that stuff, and I remember um, when I in the '90s when JFK came out, I was a freshman in high school, and I remember that movie like kind of just like changed the way I like looked at things, you know. Um, and I started getting deep into 
conspiracy stuff after that. And like one of the books that I have still also got to talk to the uh, writer and editor of that, Jonathan Vankin, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, 60, 50 greatest conspiracies is what it was called at the time. I think it ended up being like the 80 greatest conspiracies. That's the first place that I heard of James Shelby Downer and King Kill 33 and all that, all that stuff. And what years are we talking of, now? Are we talking mid 90s? Yeah, this would be like 92 to like 94. Okay. I graduated high school in 95. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, I would just like, go to the bookstore and like read the book. Never buy it, but just read it. You know, I bought it later. But what did you guys have? A Tower Books or what kind of bookstore? Walden Books. Walden, and they had pretty good Walden books. Like, uh, yeah, paranormal titles, probably some conspiracy classics. Oh yeah, stuff. like a whole yeah, like a whole section of that stuff. Um, just go and just like read it and check it out. I mean, it was everything. I mean, every new age conspiracy, paranormal, all just like on one shelf. Um, yeah. And I, I, these were, these were bookstores that were normally found in malls. Yeah. I don't know if they had them in Nashville, but there was a, it was a chain. Yeah. Uh, called Walden books. And I would go and just read the stuff. Right. And just eat it all up. So on that and, shelf, uh, we're probably talking about, uh, Behold a pale horse. Um, I do remember behold, behold a pale horse was there. I always thought that that was really weird. Um, when I was in college, I ended up working with a guy. Um, I worked in a college bookstore. We worked about in the back of the shipping and receiving room where we like packed and unpacked the books and brought them out to the floor. And I worked with this guy and he turned me on to stuff like the Illuminatus trilogy Okay. And like Robert, Robert, Robert Anton Wilson. And so I was aware of all that stuff and I got aware of like the discordian um, stuff. And from there, it was just kind of like whatever weird stuff I could read, I would read. Uh, right. And I just want to show, I want to show like how, even though this is largely still pre-internet, um, a lot of yeah. this, this alternative cultural stuff was very accessible and like widely distributed and in mainstream bookstores across the country. Oh yeah. But it was still word of, there was still a word of mouth aspect to it. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. you had to have a friend that like kind of introduced you to it and like, Oh man, you should read the Illuminatus trilogy. And, and when I was tied in, into music subcultures, a lot of it too. Yeah. Right. When I was second or third year of college, I don't remember now I read the Illuminatus trilogy you know, thought it was hilarious. Uh, didn't see any any of that stuff was serious at all. And you know, man, just kind of like life happened after I got graduated college. Like I said, the the Mammoth Book of the Unexplained by Colin Wilson. I read that. Never thought of this as something that I would like do or like be a part of. Really, you know, it was just it was just like an interest. And it was a little side interest, right? You had studied yeah. and got your degree in history. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, I uh, some of that stuff was down in Atlanta, too. Like, I remember seeing, like, the David Icke book, the one where he talked about the reptilians and, like, laughing at that and buying it just as a joke. Children of the Matrix? And Children of the Matrix, yes. Uh, so... All that stuff was, it was just like, I'm just like, what the fuck is this? You know, like just, it was just so damn weird. And, um, and there's a lot of like that kind of distance 
um, ironic consumption of all yeah. kinds of stuff like that at the time. That was kind of a part of some of these different, um, you know, alternative music cultures. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I'm, uh, I moved to Nashville and, uh, started working, you know, I had a, I had a job at night and I would listen to coast to coast. And that had been another thing too, you know, listening to coast to coast, which is something I didn't really listen a lot to in college. I knew about it, would listen to it occasionally. When did you first hear uh, it? You think probably in the late nineties. Okay. 97, 98. I remember hearing Al Bielik when he was first on there. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So I remember, I remember that pretty specifically. And so I started, so I started listening to like coast to coast and, you know, I was there late at night. It's like 12, one o'clock in the morning and just turned it on the radio. Right. Uh, my friend Joe, who's been on the show many times in the yeah, past was at the first strange realities conference First strange realities conference. Um, he was my coworker and we worked we, we closed together a lot of those nights and we would listen to this stuff and we'd talk about it and had this, uh, you know, real interest in it. And so that continued for a while. It's about 2003 now. And in about 2004, my, my interest, and I think for a lot of people at that time, my interest in like ghosts and the paranormal and the weird stuff got kind of rekindled with the premiere of ghost hunters. Okay. Like I'm not too, I'm not too ashamed to admit it. Yeah. We're all, we're um, all influenced by television, but I, I was, you know, I was pretty impressed by that show mostly for the fact that sometimes in those episodes, nothing happened. Um, and I thought that that lent it some credence. And I still think that the first season, some of the second season of that show, uh, was pretty legit. I think later on it got kind of, it got kind of silly and out of control as it went, as it, as it continued. Right. Um, but at that time it was just, it felt like this kind of like experimental thing. And a lot of people. Like the ghost hunting craze just exploded after that. Everybody wanted to be a part of that. And I was interested in it too. And continuing to listen to Coast to Coast, uh, one night, George Nori was in Detroit, which I think is where he's from, if I'm not correct. He was in Detroit and he was interviewing these two guys named Doug and Scott from this uh, radio show internet radio show something i never heard of before internet radio we should start calling internet, this internet radio again <laughs> internet radio show back. right this is before the term podcast had even i'd even heard of this at the time okay and i re i remembered that and i remember being pretty impressed by those guys so like i looked them up and it was about 2005 i started listening to them pretty regularly and you know my, like at the time dude it was like my little like my like desktop computer and i had to sit in the room there's no ipods that hasn't even yeah. really started yet you know later on i'd get an ipod and like mini and like you know um put it on i had to like uh, download it put it on the ipod mini take it in the car to listen to it when oh, i was yeah. working and uh 
So that's how long ago this was. So I kind of started just like bothering them. And I remember uh, the every time they do like a call in, I call them up, you know, because uh, back then they had like technology. You could like, you could call on a phone line and they put you through and all this kind of stuff. And like, they were really one, one of the first, like they were the, probably the first, they were the first paranormal show that I'd ever heard on the internet. Like, and uh, I can remember I was going through some old emails just the other day or just a couple of days ago. And just me just being insufferable talking, you know, sending messages to them about, Hey, you should have these people on your show and like all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh my God. And now I feel like I'm completely on the other end of that. It's so weird. But, uh, I, listened to them and through them i found a couple of other shows there was another show called world of the unexplained these guys out of uh winston-salem i think is where they were winston-salem north carolina and so it was like a little closer to home ghostly talk was in detroit winston-salem north carolina is other southern dudes like me so like i felt like i could relate to those guys a little bit better okay uh there was another one uh which this guy's still around, Dave Schrader, Darkness on the Edge of Town radio show. Um, and it was all just the same, you know, they'd have the same kind of guests on. Some of them would have the guy, people from Ghost Hunters, uh, and they would talk about just what we talk about now, right? I remember World of the Unexplained had Jeff Walmsley from the Mothman uh, Museum, or, or uh, you know, people involved, or like, like Lorraine Warren, um, these type of people, and I would just like lay there at night and I'd listen to these guys, you know, and like fall asleep to this stuff. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, someday I'd love to do this myself, but I really don't know how. And it seemed like it was more compl- complicated then, right? Um, than it is now to do this, to do that type of thing. And you weren't, and, you weren't like a musician, so you didn't have equipment already. And no, there no. wasn't all the online infrastructure that there is. No. Yeah. No, I didn't. And a lot of it is like, you know, like it's interesting you mentioned that because like ghostly talk, uh, I know Scott is a musician. Um, yeah. Yeah. All those guys that were willing to explain, they were also musicians. So they had friends, they also had friends that were musicians. So they'd set all this stuff up, you know. Yeah, they already um, got the setup, the microphones, everything. And as everybody knows, you know, later on, I met Rob, who is a musician. You know, that kind of like sent this show forward a lot more. So this was something that was always in the back of my mind. It's like, I'd love to start something like this. I think World of the Unexplained, I think they kind of faded away about like 2008, 2009. They tried to come back uh, a few years later after that. After I'd started Conspiranormal, Ghostly Talk, we called it quits. They're back now um, in a different kind of format. So it was always kind of in the back of my mind. And meeting Dr. Future in 2010, Mike really became like my really big mentor um, on this stuff. In 2012, when he stopped doing Future Quake, uh, I said, well, I want to start doing Conspiranormal. Carry the torch. And- it was me and Luke and one other guy. And, uh, yeah, it's been going on since th- it's been going on since then. So I was going to ask you what the podcast environment of the time was like, but I think you've pretty much explained that 
before we go on, um, not as inundated as it is now. Right. Yeah, for sure. That's for sure. Um, the word podcasts kind of started coming in around 2006, 2007. So instead of an internet radio show, uh, this format was being referred to as a podcast. And I think that has to do also with the, um, like a lot of the internet radio shows were about being live and that's what made them kind of radio. Right. But then podcasts were like pre-recorded. You could just listen. Right. Which was a lot easier. And you, at the time when I got started in 2012 doing this, I thought, man, I thought I was late to the game. In addition to these, these podcasts, um, what were, what was your early online experience like for uh, access to information on, on all this kind of stuff? Is, were you looking at blogs or like these uh, self-made GeoCities websites and stuff like that? Yeah, it was a lot. Well, you know, like uh, Ghostly Talk, more than explained, they were good with linking um, people's blogs and people's websites. And a lot of people would have their own forums. That was a lot more. Yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, that was, I was never too much on forums, but definitely looking through people's websites. I got, I got like really super obsessed with EVPs for a while. Okay. (laughs) So I'd go on these, um, I'd go on these websites and I would just like listen to people EVP that they had collected. You know, I don't know if any of that stuff even exists anymore. But yeah, yeah I mean, at the time it was just a, like, it was like a lot of, there was a lot of blogs, a lot of just independent websites, a lot of ghost hunting groups, websites. Um, there were people making movies. I should also add too, man, that um, me and Joe, we started going to conferences in like 2006, I think was the first one we went to. Um, I think we went to the one in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. What was it? Uh, yeah, that was the Mid-South Paranormal Convention, which they had every year. I don't think they do it anymore, but uh, I think the last one I went to was in 2013. Yeah, so it's been 10 years. When did um, Joe, because Joe not only was interested in this stuff, but he started like making this ghost hunting technology. When did he start that? Yeah, that was a little later. That was, okay. you know, I started working for him in about 2000 seven and around the time he was started doing that was about 2011 2012 i'm thinking somewhere around there maybe 2010 um yeah that's when he started doing that and then you know he started uh he started working with the uh, tennessee ray chasers on their on their tv show like all the all the ghost traps that if you watch that they did these like ghost traps to try to trap ghosts and never got anything but uh joe made those at least in like the first maybe first and maybe a little bit of the second season of oh god what was that show called it was their show drawing a blank now but uh but yeah he did that um got pretty heavily into it i think by that time i was i was i've i was a little more past the ghost thing you know Right. And then uh, I think that kind of that. that kind of leads in my next question. Like what were what were the big questions that you were looking for answers to? Uh and what what mysteries were you really interested in at, at the time that you started the show? 
I think really the desire to start the show. I mean, of course, everybody, everybody has, you know, that idea of just like, I want to know there's life after death. I mean, you know, that's a pretty basic thing, I think. Um, so that, that was a part of it. Uh, and I just felt like it was really fun to explore these mysteries too. You know, I loved the mystery for the mystery. I still do. Um, I think if you try to explain some of this stuff, you're not, it's going to be pretty hard because <laughs> you're just going to drive yourself crazy. Um, it so was ghosts. Ghosts were a big. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a big interest. Yeah. in like middle of the two thousands, you know, uh, that was a big interest for me, but then too, you know, like there was stuff like the historical stuff too. I mean, like, uh, getting into Adam go Riley's podcast. That was another one I didn't mention. Was it untamed dimensions? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was kind of a chain, right? It's like, you know, I heard about, uh, like what are the unexplained? I heard about this thing, the show called Out There Radio, and they were talking about the, you know, that's the first time I'd heard of the Georgia Guidestones and other things. And then Out There Radio had Adam Go Rightly on for the first, where I heard him for the first time. Thought he was interesting. Started listening to his podcast. So it was just like all of these podcasts and all these things that that I was listening to. Um. So. I think the historical stuff too was really, you know, fascinating for me and trying to understand a lot of that too, and maybe combining it. But to really answer your question, starting the show was just like, I had all these from all these years that I've been listening to other people's shows that I'd been going to these conferences that I've been meeting these people for all these years, those years that I had been doing that. I had so many people that I wanted to talk just, to talk yeah. to myself and ask them questions and have their time. Um, I could actually ask them questions. Yeah. Cause you know, sometimes maybe one the show. stand in line to do one at a conference or something. Right. And, 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 you know, and like some of the time with these shows, it's just like, well, I would have asked them that question, you know? Um, so it was really just about for me, and then like a forgot maybe the first two years of the show of me just being like, okay, I want to talk to that person. I want to talk to this person. You know, that's really what it was. And I had all these guests that I just wanted to talk to. So that was a big motivator. Um, more than I think trying to solve any mystery or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. And then uh, we, we touched on it a little bit, but when did you first meet Dr. Future and what has your, uh, your relationship with him been like? Uh, well, Dr. Future is very much my mentor. Um, he still is in a lot of ways. Um, I met Dr. Future, AKA Dr. Michael Bennett. Uh, met him at this, I think this is going to go into one of your other questions. So, which yeah, we'll say, yeah. but um, I met him at this event called the Last Days Conference because I had gotten super into because of Coast to Coast, and we'll talk about this in a little bit in a second. Into this guy named L.A. Marzuli, right? Right. Uh, one of the first people that kind of turned me on to like that aliens or demons. Okay. 
just to see Marzulli, I'd gone to a couple of his things here in Nashville, and then I heard he was going to be at this thing here in Nashville. And um, that's where I met, God, I mean, not just Mike. I met uh, Guy Malone there. Uh, There's several people there, like Guy Malone, Chris Putnam, uh, Dr. Future, his co-host at the time, Tom Bionic, who was actually, his name was actually also Mike. Um, so there's several people that I like met there at that thing. Uh, but yeah, that's where I met Mike and I, I, I'd been aware of future quake. I think I'd listened to like maybe one episode of future quake because of the guy, um, that was associated with a uh, guy Malone. Uh, they, he had him on the show. I listened to the show that, that this person was on and I'd listened to it before and I saw the website and all that. And when I met Mike, I was like, I was like, Oh, Hey, aren't you Dr. Future? You know, I introduced myself and all that, all that stuff. And through all that, you know, he told me about the church that he went to, um, Calvary chapel. And I just started going to church with with Mike, and uh, we just became really just became friends that way, you know. And we would correspond, um, talk here and there, and we became pretty good friends. By the time two years later, by the time that he called it quits on prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed subscription required individual results may vary additional restrictions apply at lifemd.com read all warnings before using glp1s side effects may include a risk of thyroid c-cell tumors do not use glp1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer if you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope did you know you can now access glp1 prescription medications through lifemd LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply future quake and can you tell everyone Uh, real quick what future quake was future quake was uh dr future's show that he did first on radio well yeah first on radio free nashville which was like a news station at the time when the fcc deregulated the low power fm stations yeah that was probably around like 2005 i i'd never heard it um when it was on there and then he moved over to some he started putting it up as a as a then internet radio show later podcast he started putting it up as that um in the 
yeah, was it 2008 or something like that? I think that they left Radio Free Nashville. And so he was on like on some station that was like through Trebekah Nazarene University here. And they okay. would show it. But most most people would listen to it as a as a podcast format. Right. And so Dr. Future at the time was part of um like the development of some of these what I'll call like alternative Christian interpretations of the paranormal. Yeah. What would what would you call this milieu? I think alternative Christian is a good way to put it. Okay. I think it's more I think it's morphed into something else now. Yeah. Um it so at the time through listening to Coast and Coast, you know, you're exposed to all these different people, right? And these different ideas. And I remember they had on a guy, Tom Horn, now of Skywatch TV. And I was really, really, you know, I, I, I'd become a Christian about like 2003 or so when I first remember my first whenever right before uh me and my ex got married and uh i just remembered like one of the re- one of the things that i said well like i believe all this stuff about aliens and i believe all this so why can't i believe in that a guy rose from the dead why if i believe in all this other weird stuff why can't i believe in this so right. that was always kind of there in the back of my mind and when i um heard Tom Horn really kind of equate like oh these 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 aliens that people are 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 these abductions that are happening these are actually demons and i was like oh my god everything makes sense now you know and i think i devoured that just as equally as much as i devoured all the ghost hunting stuff like i started getting into that aspect of it right and then heard L.A. Marzulli talk about all the same, all the same type of thing. And it was like, it just, everything just kind of made sense for me. Right. Mm-hmm. The world made sense. And uh, I got into that really hard. And like I said, that's how you know, I ended up at this last day's conference. And I ended up um, meeting Dr. Future. But yeah, at the time it was just very much this emphasis of, you know, aliens are demonic, you know, that this is a deception, uh, this type of thing. This is a, this is a viewpoint that I don't know if I really hold anymore. Right. I suppose, I suppose in the back of my mind that it's kind of still there. Um, but I think the truth is a lot more complicated and it's more just about how we perceive uh these things um right and a lot of that has happened because of doing conspiracy normal and being exposed to other ideas right and we're gonna trace a lot of that trajectory but i mean at this time this perspective gives an entire unified field theory of the paranormal and it does open you beyond a nuts and bolts material hypothesis with phenomena such as ufos cryptids etc yeah. So it already opens you to like yeah. high strangeness and yeah. 
things like that that'll as you develop your your thoughts and ideas on this stuff through conspiracy. Yeah, I started going to those type of conferences too. After I met Mike, um, this was more the religious bent. Oh, the stuff. religious based. Yeah, yeah. A future Congress, which Tom Horn put together, where I got to see G. Edward Griffin, <laughs> not really knowing the significance of all this kind of stuff, and we're and and really. You know, I was being pulled in, man. I really feel like I was being pulled in, yeah, to a lot of that stuff. And I think really because of Mike, really is why I kind of got out of it, right? Because, know, because there's like all this not, underlying ideological stuff, right? Yeah. Not only was it like okay, you know, demons, aliens are demons, but it's also just like you know, hey, Muslims aren't that great. Um, and also the Illuminati are coming to get you and uh, the one world government. And so it was all mixed. All that, all that material was mixed in with the alien stuff. And I want to point out that the time frame of all this stuff has been the war on terror. And yeah. this environment at the time was kind of strange because like you're around all this, like, uh, you're probably around all this like conspiracy theory stuff, these Christian views, but like the country was very, uh, especially, you know, the right wing was not really anti-establishment at the time. You know, everyone was like on board with this, uh, all the right wing were like pretty much on board with this war, except for like real isolationist fringes. The tea party stuff was happening, but it hadn't really morphed into what we what's going on at the right wing now. Right. No, it wasn't. And, and I mean, you know, even later on in 2015, and this was from whole other, this was the other side of it, kind of getting involved with um, some people that they organized the paradigm symposium, you know, <laughs> and some of their ideas. So they, they really got, and, and I was on this conspiracy normal was on this like their station that they were the radio thing they were trying to do and they were putting in some like really right wing kind of elements and then they went fully right wing later on um right. i mean stuff that you could see really led up to trump led yeah. up to january 6th uh and what you're seeing now today but you know at the time i i thought nothing of it you yeah. know, I thought, man, I could ride this. I could ride some of this to success. I really did think that at the time. And now it's just like, oh my God, what the, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's horrifying. At the time, I didn't think anything of it, you know, because maybe now a little really, bit bothered in the back of my mind, but now it's completely different. We're really getting into the, how conspiracy theory fits into all this and your engagement with it. When did you first pick up an interest in conspiracy theory? You mentioned JFK before. Yeah, so it was JFK uh, was the big one for me. Um, and the, you know, the, the 50, 60, 70, 80 greatest conspiracies of all time. That was another one. And 9-11, I think, really, you know, the 9-11 truth stuff for me kind of came out of also listening to some of these shows because like ghostly talk, I remember they had one of the guys that did lose change nine 11 on. Okay. Yeah. And then I started looking into that and I was like, Oh my God, here's a conspiracy. And I don't know where I still fall on that. I mean, I'm still a little 
I am still a little suspicious about nine eleven. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, you know, but I do think that that nine eleven truth movement it got co opted, and it got. Um, I can see where it laid the groundwork for what's going on now. But yeah, like um, at the time, that's not how it felt. I mean, that was a generation-defining thing. Yeah, where you fell on it, you know. Would you? Well, and the war in Iraq and the lies that got yeah. us into that. Um, you know, and and at the time, listening to somebody like Alex Jones, well, you know, well, there's Alex a lot Jones of left, like left-right crossover listening yeah. to that at the time. He was this fresh voice, you know. Alex Jones in you know before Obama got elected, you know he would have a Gore Vidal and like Greg Palast and like Noam Chomsky, right? And these people, so it was just more like you know here's Alex Jones saying, "Oh, don't listen to either either side," you know, and like I really you know I I really responded to that. Would um, you would you have considered yourself like a libertarian type? Yo, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I really was just like neither Republicans or Democrats. Right. You know, and I really wanted to really, you know, dig into what somebody like Alex Jones was saying, you know, and he started to disappoint me and I started seeing where, you know, he was going, but like at the time he was anti-Bush, I was yeah. anti-Bush, you know, I was anti-Cheney and anti-Rumsfeld, you know, like I, I mean, I don't think a lot of people, you know, who weren't there, weren't aware at the time understand how did the neocons bro yeah i mean until like now, until the end of that administration though like it was not kosher and a lot of middle america to like oppose the wars and to uh to not be with the program you know oh no yeah there was this definite thing back then where if you if you opposed the war you weren't patriotic if you were against george w you're you weren't patriotic you know. This is where a lot of that uh, Islamophobia stuff was really coming in, and you were you were probably seeing that. You kind of hinted at that yeah. in these right. fringe Christian worlds. Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, very they're very pro-Israel too, right? So, but a lot of conspiracism at the time was like about they're going to like Islamicize Middle American yeah. towns and Sharia yeah. law and all that. Yeah. It was like a big. It's so yeah, crazy to look back on it now, but. And Dr. Future, you know, I mean, Mike, I mean, he, he, he kind of like broke that programming himself and he realized that like Christians shouldn't be acting this way, that we should welcome people, you know, and there was also the whole Moss thing. I'm sure. You remember that in Murfreesboro in Murfreesboro. Yeah. Where I went to college. Yeah. Right. You know, that was a huge thing at the time. So how does Mike break that programming and then how does that influence you as developing this mentorship with him? Uh, I think really with him, he started looking into where some of the money was coming from and where some of the propaganda was coming from. And I mean, this could be a little problematic to say, I get it, but like he was seeing stuff was coming from like Israel and you know, that, um, it was it was basically swaying Christians to to their side, propaganda to them. It just seemed like that's where it was coming from, and it was it was just an extension of what was going on in the Middle East. You know, right. So he's seeing get, get that people on get the get get evangelical Christians on their side, basically. He's seeing that his community is being 
used for these like foreign yeah. policy objectives. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's basically what it was. And, and cause he started out as very heavily Republican, but I think the war, you know, I think Iraq, I think those things, I think changed his viewpoint. And I went to listen to future quakes so I could find out more about Nephilim. And I left with like really understanding that, that what these French Christian groups were saying was something that was also being manipulated and understanding that as propaganda too. So Mike really started to change my mind on that. Whatever the right wing could, could use at the time, which was anti-Islam really, you know, that was the, that was the big thing and how basically you're, you're being basically kind of manipulated into believing these people are your enemy when they're really probably not. This is in the face of things at the time, like ISIS, you know, I mean, but but thing is, you're just not hearing that anymore. You're really not. Now that stuff is gone. I, I don't see any kind of like, maybe in Europe, but in the United States, I'm not seeing any real anti-Islamist thing. It actually seems to be going to the point where like now the Christians want to get together with the Muslims. Yeah, that's ironic, isn't it? Yeah, right. So they use each other for, I guess this is the fight the gays, I guess. But that's that seems to be where it's going. So I think just through like Mike's journey, you know, I came to see view things a little bit different. And, and you know, man, like you're you're always evolving. I think in your viewpoints. Like I right. think think like two three years ago that I just don't believe anymore. And he's older uh, than you and able to give you yeah that yeah. extra historical context. Right. Right. It's funny because I'm the age. I'm the age Mike was when I met him now. Okay. <laughs> Wow. So, I mean, we've kind of been talking about this, like, living history and how your thoughts are evolving, how Conspiranormal got started and it's changing. Um, how does your overall interest in, in history itself inform your perspective of all these different topics that we, we talk about on the show? Well, I think, you know, I think it's important to understand it. I think it's very important to understand it. Um, things don't exist in a vacuum and things don't exist without context. You can't have, you can't understand the situation now without understanding what happened before, or you can't understand the situation uh, at a certain point without understanding what happened before that. And I think a lot of people don't do that. I think, I think it's really just people just really just react and they don't see that they're just repeating the same thing over and over again. History does repeat itself for people that don't understand it. So I feel like when we put some history into the show and I'm like, it's something that I'm trying to do a little more and more lately. It's so that people really just get it, you know, that like, Hey, all this stuff that you we're dealing with now is just, it's been going on for a long, long time. I mean, the stuff we've been talking about right now, just the last couple of decades feels like lost yeah. history already that people don't have context for. Right. You know, all right. these people were, you know, all these like right-wing anti-establishment types now, you know, they were just totally on board for this crazy foreign adventurism that probably changed the entire geopolitical order. I mean, but yeah. you know, now they have this amnesia and they're against the deep state, et cetera, because things have been so realigned. Yeah. And it's something that people don't, 
you, you know, they, they, they don't get that, you know, the situation that we're in is probably because of that. Whenever, I mean, if you look at history again and again, whenever an empire reaches too far, that's the beginning of its fall. And I don't see the United States as any different. Imperial um, hubris. I've, I've always thought that one of my things when I, I remember, you know, even when I was a freshman in high school, being well-versed in history and understanding it, you know, when I saw JFK and I remember just having the debate with my dad, cause my dad didn't buy it. You know, I think he's slowly come around to the fact that maybe Oswald didn't act alone, but like I said, I would tell him, I would say, even then I'd say, how are we different than any other country? What makes us special to think, we're human beings. What makes us special to think that we're not going to experience what other countries experienced, you know, just because we have these quote unquote freedoms, that that's what we're going to, it's like, I don't think so. You know, like they killed Julius Caesar in Rome. They killed Kennedy in the United States. How's that? How is that like unusual? Right. Like it's not. And I feel the same way about what's happening now. I feel like, you know, what we're experiencing is what every empire experiences in history. And it's just a pattern that happens. And we spread and what we're dictatorships all over the globe, you know. Right. Uh, exactly. Become one too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're no different. And I think a lot of people are beginning to see that now that like, oh, we don't we don't we don't live in the special world where like the United States can never be assailed by and if you look by by forces of dictatorship or forces of, of tyranny, you know, if you look at the history of the United States, like this has popped up time and time again. It's nothing really that's unusual. It's just that this time, because we probably did decide to grasp too far for empire and that failed, what start, what happens then is that you can easily be at the, the, the behest of demagogues. It's happened time and time again in history. Something, something unusual. We're just living at that point now. Do you think some of your interest in history comes from the Civil War history that was all around you when you grew up in Chattanooga? Oh, definitely. Your dad's yeah, a big sure. Civil War buff. Yeah, he is. I mean, I am too. Um, not as much as he is. But um, I, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, there's there's a real sense of history there. I grew up around Civil War monuments, okay? Because uh, you have the battles that were in Chattanooga. Two months before the battles of Chattanooga, you had Chickamauga. And both of those, Chickamauga is one of the best preserved battlefields in the country. So, yeah, growing up there, definitely. And, and I, I think I think just growing up in the South, period, Yeah, you get that sense of history, you know? And you know, I've been to several of the Civil War battlefields. And you do get that sense of just like, this is a place where like men fought and died. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, I, I really think that that, I think that's part of where it came from, but I think, you know, just to like a general interest, I think it's just something that always just for some reason, it just appealed to me. Um, having a set of encyclopedias helped, I guess both him and my mom, uh, she taught art for a long, for a while, but, my dad was a, he taught art for nearly 40 years. So, yeah. But I mean, you know, history is part of that too, right? Because you I mean oh, art yeah. history, you know, you got to, you got to talk about how these different schools, these different art forms developed. I mean, that's, that's a very much part of it. Um, there was a book that 
you know, art through the ages. It's like a college textbook. Yeah. And it was like, there was a couple of editions of that. And I just remember looking through that, you know, and I think that that's part of probably where some of my love of history come from. Cause I'm very much, there's not one aspect of history that I like above another. I'm pretty much a generalist. I like it all. Yeah. Um, and find it, find it very interesting, you know, um, I'm just okay. now kind of getting back into a little bit of civil war history, but I, you know, I, I find it all pretty, pretty fascinating. And, uh, history podcasts are like kind of my go-tos right now. I'm really enjoying that. A lot of history podcasts right now. So what do you think a lot of good a, people doing a lot of good things. How do you think being a Southerner has influenced uh, how you think about the world and, and some of these topics that you talk about on the show? That's a good question. Is it a more, um, is it a less materialist culture? You think is it more prone to, to haints? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You asked that because like, yeah, we talk about like influence books. Um, when I, when I was in elementary school, there were these like series of books uh it was this it was this lady she she was in alabama and she did this series of books it was like ghosts of tennessee ghosts of alabama ghosts of mississippi uh these type of things and i would check these out too she always said that she had like this ghost that lived in her house named jeffrey you know um that was like her big gimmick but I can't remember the like her name or what the series was called. But it was it was you know I think I mean definitely when you're talking about ghosts like history is kind of unavoidable, right? So I think that's probably one of the first places I heard about like Meriwether Lewis and like you know that was in the Ghost of Tennessee book because he was murdered or well officially he committed suicide, but more than likely he was murdered <laughs> here in Tennessee on the Natchez Trace, which is a place I've been to a couple of times. Yeah, it's um yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like there is there is a very big sense of history here. Uh Civil War and otherwise. And also too, uh with Chattanooga itself, don't forget that like that was one of the places where the Trail of Tears started. Yeah. And down the road from me uh is a place called Red Clay, and that is where the Cherokee Indians debated the treaty to leave. Um, so that and Chattanooga was founded as a result of the Indian removal because it was called Ross's landing. So that's another aspect of that city too, is the Indian removal, the Cherokee Indian removal specifically. So you do get that sense of history too. What, uh, what influence has your time in Nashville had on your life and, and all this stuff. I mean, that's where you started Conspiranormal. It's where you met Dr. Future. Yeah. Um, I think it's really the connections that I've made, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, yourself, Rob, Luke, all the people that I've that I've gotten to know that I've been able to put the the conference on, uh, Dr. Future, you know, Joe Damari. I think really it's just it's really been the friendships that I've made and the connections that I've made with people that that have kept like this whole thing going. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the most important aspect. 
I mean, that sense of history is here too, obviously. And I mean, like, you know, having known you for a while now, you know, like you've keyed me into a lot of things here as well, but we'll talk about that when we talk to you. So we're getting to some of our last questions here. Uh, I want to ask like in, in this almost 12 years of doing this, what are your, some of your biggest uh, takeaways uh, that you've got through having all these conversations with all these different people? And I guess to piggyback off that, how's the, how's the show changed over time? Oh, a lot. I mean, I think I'll answer that first. I mean, you know, this, um, yeah. it's changed a lot, a ton. It's a different show than it was 11 years ago. So much so that I feel, and I'll, I'll admit this. I feel like the name doesn't really represent it as well anymore. Um, why is it? Well, just because like conspiracy theory now has a real negative connotation. Um, but there are some times when we just don't focus on the paranormal. Yeah, we do. But, you know, look, I mean, we talked last year, uh, history in the Bible, uh, had John Brooks on about uh, the Jesus myth, whether Jesus was real or not, um, which he's coming back on later. And we talked about so much about religion, about history, about so many other things uh, that I feel like, you know, but that's, that's just the way it goes. I think when you, when you're evolving, um, I think you and I, especially going through COVID and some of the reactions that we have seen from some of our peers that we've changed a lot on how we view a lot of this conspiracy, the conspiracy narratives mm-hmm. and how maybe even we view some of the paranormal stuff, some of the paranormal stuff. I feel like I, I've, I've actually become more skeptical about some of it than Same I here. have. And that's, that's, that's an influence I think that I've picked up from like, people like Aaron Gullius or like Tim and all, um, I feel like I've become much more in some ways, more skeptical. I think 11 years ago, I was willing to still willing to believe that something crashed at Roswell. Now I think something crashed, but it was probably not aliens, you know? Um, so that's just like one example. You know, I think I'm just more like, you know, what, what could actually be happening there? Um, and I think it's a good way to, I think it's a good way to be like, you know, it might actually not make it as fun for some people. Who knows? I think it's interesting. I mean, if you didn't change after having access to all these brilliant people for so long, I mean, there'd be, there'd be something wrong with that, you know, either way. Right. Right. Uh, You know, having, having had discussions that either on the show or off the show, you know, I feel that, like I said, I mean, I think you just like, you have to be just dynamic. I think if you're talking about the same thing all the time, I think it can just get old and get stale. The audience has changed also. I mean, when you started yeah. this, you, you kind of were in that fringe Christian milieu. Right. I was, I was, even though I didn't advertise it that way, but I had a lot of those, I had a lot of those guests. Right. And I feel like over the years, as I kind of got interested in like exploring things about the occult, Especially those people just kind of like eventually faded away. I think a cult uh, is a good word to explain a lot of the stuff we talk about, like not only in like non-Christian or magical systems or something like that, but just in like the hidden or neglected undercurrents 
about all these subjects, especially like history and stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, I was there to see that that shift become more pronounced and uh you definitely caught some flack from your a lot of your original original listeners. Yeah, I did. I did. And I think we've caught flack from not buying into the conspiracy narratives about COVID. Oh yeah, that was a big big rift. Are buying into buying into QAnon. Yep. I think there's a lot of people that, you know, I think that a lot of people, especially in the conspiracy world, conspiracy based podcasts or conspirituality based podcasts, I think that they got a big boon from COVID because all they because then they could just say, well, they could they could be anti vaxxers. They could, you know, they could they could uh they could be anti establishment in that way. Right. You know, and I think you and I were just much more just like, you know, wait a minute. You know, you can't, I mean, we're always going to, I think, going to be debating things about what happened in the last three years. But I mean, we, we saw, yeah, we saw everything unfold in real time with the context of all this crazy conspiracy shit that got like, you know, blown up overnight. We saw the birth of QAnon, all this stuff. And we've always been kind of anti-establishment, but there was this shared vague anti-establishment sentiment i think that you know a lot of people used to participate in um and it got really specific and weaponized by specific interests and then if you didn't go along with that you were like a stooge you know and all of a sudden we feel like we're like uh we're you know like defenders of the status quo or the establishment just because we saw like a creeping right-wing populism that did try to take over the country. <laughs> that was no right. joke. So I guess this is a good time to ask what you see um, for the future of the show and, and how strange realities came about. And, and uh, Well, I think it all kind of remains to be seen at the moment. I mean, we've been doing this for a while. You've been doing this with me for five years. Man, that's uh, crazy. We're on episode 452 right here. You know, I got to episode 300, which is what Mike got to with Future Quake and just kind of kept going. Um, I think that things don't last. You think you move on at a certain point. So we'll see. Um, as far as Strange Realities Conference goes, I mean, we're doing it this year. Uh, we'll see how things go for the foreseeable future. Right now, I'm just focused on this year and uh, doing this and making it as, as good as possible. What has that so been like? Know. You know, we had this podcast community and, and adjacent yeah. podcasts and, and listeners who became good friends. But what did Strange Realities do to really give people a place where they met in person for these years? With the exception of the one year that we did not meet in person. Right. Obviously 2020. Yeah. Um, I think it's been really good for a lot of people. Um, we've got kind of like super fans that really love what we do. And I think when people are there, it's like, that. I think they get a lot out of it. And I would say that um, if you're listening and you're on the fence about coming, of course, you always have the option of doing the online, watching it online. That's always, that's, that's an option. But, uh, you know, you know, it's not like being there in person, right? You don't get the kind of like camaraderie. You don't get, uh, 
to talk to people backstage. You don't get to talk to people at the hotel, you know, in a, in a whole group. I mean, that's really what it's all about. It's really about just like being together and, and having that kind of like real kind of fellowship and meeting of minds, you know, and you're not going to get that just watching it online. It's something really intangible. Um, yeah. And I also want to say that, you know, we, we really barely pulled together that we were going to do it live this year. And, you know, if you're on the fence, like you can't take it right. for granted that it's going to be there next year. Yeah. There was some debate um, between you and I about doing it this year. I mean, really a debate was with myself on whether I wanted to go ahead and, and do it. Um, Cause I kind of had a two year goal. It's like 2021, 2022. I was like, well, should I do it for 2023? And eventually I said, yes, that, that it's something that needs to be done. Keep the momentum going. But yeah, if you're on the fence about coming, uh, you should try. That's all I'm really going to say at the moment. Because who knows what 2024 will, will bring. Yeah, I think we all can see that nothing's for certain nowadays. Right. Well, thanks. Uh, I think this has been great. Um, I think it served its purpose. And Thank uh, you. Get from uh, behind the curtain a little bit and let, let people know about the uh, some history, about the origins of the show and and uh your journey with all this stuff so i just yeah. want to thank you for that if you guys thought that was interesting if you have your own podcast you can get adam to come on yours and pick his brain yourself but uh that's all i got and what uh, i wanted you to share with everyone tonight and i think what we're gonna do uh with this is next week next week we've got john brooks coming on with uh kelly baker from pod only knows podcast we're gonna talk to them but I think the week after that, we should do the interview. I should interview you. Okay. So you came up with some really good questions. So I'm going to have to really kind of top you on that. I don't know how I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, it can be a can be a process. I can give you feedback. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say this is that Serfiel uh, really has a lot of interesting things that he is into. And Serfiel is a real researcher, guys. I mean, really, he really is. And and his episode you're gonna hear a lot hopefully hear a lot of that of what he's like really digs into cool sounds fun well i have uh had control over the show for long enough adam i'm gonna let you do the honors and give all the the end of the show spiels for everybody right right well okay guys um usual spiel i would say um patreon uh patreon.com slash conspiranormal come join us on there uh we do the monthly meetups um, as well, um, along with the conference. And the conference is coming up November 3rd through the 5th. Check that out. And you guys can check out the YouTube channel that I produce called Nevaeh's Nightmare. Check that out as well. Uh, check out what she has, which is thing that I put together that is strange realities and conspiranormal adjacent. So go check that out too. But definitely us as well. Conspiranormal, conspiranormal.com, conspiranormal YouTube channel. Go give that a like. And we know we've been really kind of lax on getting shows out lately. Um, but we're going to be correcting that here in the very near future. So this will be, this will actually last week's was the first will be the first in a string of shows and as we get closer to the conference you guys are going to hear be hearing a lot from us so thanks for listening guys and we'll be back next week on 
Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.